better every week. You said you have how many chairs left up there, Pastor John? Six? Okay. All right. I don't, I don't know. Is, it, is there anything in the reform background about instituting a draft for choir members? Is that, I'll have to check back into our... But anyway, as we, uh, as we head into the kickoff of a brand new decade, it's easy to see that we are a culture that lives in the now. Uh, with people tracking Instagram to see what's trending, to the up-to-the-moment headlines from our 24-hour news cycle, uh, to checking for the latest programs available for streaming on Hulu and Netflix. And you know, that forward-looking attitude, it may be okay for technology or for fashion or maybe for commodities trading, but it's not all that good for understanding the actual world around us. Because for that, we need context, historical context, to make sense of all the things that are happening around us. And you know, that's equally true of our study of Scripture. Context matters. That's why the Bible continually exhorts believers to search out and to remember the past. And that idea of looking to the past to make sense of the future is a major theme of our psalm today as we come to Psalm 77. So if you're reading along, I invite you to turn there with me. The Psalm 77 to... The choir master, according to the Jedathun, a psalm of Asaph. And he writes, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I... Consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has His steadfast love forever ceased? Are His promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has He in anger shut up His compassion? Selah. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work. Meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. Your footprints were unseen. You led your servants like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. You know, one uh, author and political commentator has quipped that we live now in the United States of amnesia, uh, where we don't remember anything before Monday morning. Right? We live in a time where, where what's behind us is not important. 
Live, live for today. That's, that's the motto. Who cares about the past? Uh, and, and I get it. I know uh, to some folks memorizing names and, and dates of people long dead and talking about a bunch of uh, old-timey events sounds kind of dull and irrelevant. Uh, it maybe has nothing to do with a 21st century life, but the author of Psalm 77 would beg to differ. And, you know, I would too because the truth is that there is no better way to understand our individual lives and the world around us, both physical and spiritual, than to take a careful look at everything that's led up to it. That, that's how we grow. Uh, in fact, that's why the Roman poet Cicero uh, once wrote, to know nothing of what happened before you were born is to forever remain a child. Uh, and, and I like that quote because even though it's true that we are called to have a childlike faith, it was never intended to be a childish one. And the best way to mature is by learning about the long-term implications of past events and the consequences of people's choices, both good and bad. Uh, and you know, as I said, this isn't just a secular thing, it's a religious thing. It's a, it's a spiritual thing. In fact, uh, if you've been paying attention to the texts, that we've been studying in the Psalms, you know that the Old Testament in general and this sacred music book in particular is filled with references to God commanding the Israelites and, and by extension us to remember his deeds of the past. That's the whole reason that he instrumented and instituted ceremony after ceremony, festival after festival, and the command for the repetition and memorization of Scripture it's because it caused his people to look at who he had been to their ancestors and how he had delivered them in generations past. But it wasn't just done for the sake of introspection. It's not about living life in the rearview mirror. It's not about pining for the good old days. It's, it's way more than that. Because veiled inside the ceremonies and the festivals and the repetition of Scripture texts, was a glimpse of what would happen when the Messiah came. And so they served not only to increase the faith of God's people, but to reassure them that the very same God who acted in power and in love and in compassion in the past could and would do it again. That's why Asaph said today in Psalm 77, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I'll remember the wonders of old I'll ponder all of your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. But then he followed that line up really quickly and immediately with one that acknowledges the loftiness of God above him. And he says, but your ways, O God, are holy. What God is great like our God? And he says that because the study of history, especially of scriptural history, when done right, is always a humbling experience. Right? It's like I said earlier, if you're, if you're not humbled... From time to time, if you don't feel pinched and stepped on and poked at once in a while when you're here, uh, you really should fire me. But remember, Asaph is writing this psalm in the midst of not just personal tragedy, but a national tragedy. Think, in, think like in terms of our September 11th that he's going through, except worse, okay? Worse, imagine if on our September 11th, if the planes had hit the White House and it hit the Capitol building too, and then armed invaders... Uh, had taken thousands of American citizens as hostage for foreign relocation. That's what Asaph lived through. And, and not only that, but he knew, he knew that it all happened because God was bringing a judgment on his covenant people just like he promised to do in the law. Shouldn't have been a surprise. Remember, 
that ancient agreement from Deuteronomy 28. Remember when, uh, when the people left Egypt and Moses prayed that God would take them safely to the promised land. And he told Moses to say to the people in his name, if, if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commands that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and young flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. But, and what happens when the word but comes? But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all His commandments and His statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall, not may, could, shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in. Cursed shall you be when you go out. And the Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You'll still go out against them and one way, and you'll flee seven ways before them. And you shall be a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. For the Lord your God will bring a nation against you from far away, from the ends of the earth swooping down like the eagle, a nation whose language you do not understand, a hard-faced nation, who shall not respect the old or show mercy to the young. In the morning you will say, if only it were evening. And at evening you will say, if only it were morning. Because of the dread that your heart shall feel and the sight that your eyes shall see. That's some heavy stuff. Do you get it? Asaph is realizing that this nation, this Babylon that came against them, he's realizing in his psalm today that he and his people were living out a life and living in a time that they could have avoided if only they had paid attention to God's holy word, if only they had paid attention to the history that their parents and their grandparents had tried to tell them, if only they had studied the words of their founder, Moses, but they didn't, and because they hadn't, Asaph said, half in hope and half in despair, I cry out to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me, in the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You remember Selah means stop and think about that. And then he says, you, you hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. Consider the days of old, the years long ago. That's some pretty deep distress, right? He says, I can't sleep. He says, I've been praying so long about everything that my whole body is tired, uh, even to the point where just, just thinking about God in this life causes me to faint. And when he looks at everything that's going on around him, not, not just in the world uh, or just in his country, not just in his own neighborhood and, and his own hometown, but in his own family and, and to himself, he can't ask, help but ask, uh, Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has His steadfast love ceased forever? Are His promises at an end for all time? Has He forgotten to be gracious 
Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Stop and think about that. You ever felt like that? I've been there. I've been in that place spiritually and physically where I've been so completely worn out, but I was too tired to sleep. Right? Wondered if God's favor had abandoned me completely. Just parenthetically, if there's anybody here or anybody out there listening who's never felt that way, I'd really would love to meet you uh, and, and hear your secret. But I, I don't think I'll, I'll wait up to hear from you because I don't think there is anybody like that. No, I think, uh, I think I'll stay with old Asaph because he's much more real. Uh, he's much more approachable. And I think just reading about him and his history and his emotions and his, his encounters with God and with his word... Well, it just kind of shows us that we're not too far different from so many of our brothers and sisters in days past. And it helps us to avoid some of the same sins and some of the same mistakes and some of the same doubts and fears that they may have made because it allows us to understand and sympathize with their plight and identify with it. And, you know, we, we put a lot of great pictures up here on the screen. Ricky does a fantastic job uh, every week of, of illustrating these. But don't forget, the people we're talking about are not just one-dimensional, right? Uh, they're not just in decorative paintings. They're not just exaggerated images in stained glass. I'm talking to you every week about very real people, very real flesh and blood people that were just trying to make it through life every day, just like you and me are. So we can read about their experiences and we can identify with where they've been. And, and not only that, but it also helps us by perspective that we can realize the blessings that we enjoy today that weren't always enjoyed by God's people in days past. And it also prevents us from developing a view of faith that's too, uh, too narrowly focused on our day and time and ignores the long and storied history of God's covenant people. And you know, that wasn't lost on Asaph because, you know, his point of view was pretty unique. And I'll tell you how that is with a little personal history of, of the man himself. Uh, if, you've, if you've been taking notes or even just keeping track as we go along, we've talked about Asaph a lot, haven't we? Uh, and he's got a very prominent role to play in the life of God's people and, and in particular in, in this book. Uh, there are 12 times that the Hebrew scriptures say uh, at the beginning, Asaph or, or of, of Asaph, that appear in the superscription in one of these psalms. Uh, the first one is from way back in Psalm 50. I don't expect you to remember that because I didn't. Uh, Psalm 50, though, and then, it's, then the rest are, are in 73 to 83 that we're in the middle of right now. And they're separated for a reason. It's because they weren't written by the same Asaph. Uh, the Asaph back in Psalm 50, he was a Levite living in Jerusalem. He was the brother of the prophet Zechariah. And most importantly for our purposes today, he was King David's music leader in the temple. Uh, where most likely he probably is the guy that wrote the musical accompaniment to David's uh, song, music that we've lost now, unfortunately. Uh, but he lived in the glory days of God's kingdom. He was David's worship leader in the temple, as I said. Maybe he even looked over to his pianist and said, Hit it, D. <laughs> but seriously. But, but, but he's, this man is described in the book of 1 Chronicles as chief of the Levites, the one appointed to minister in song before the Ark of the Covenant uh, and to lead his brothers in songs of thanksgiving to God's faithfulness. And, and not only was Asaph appointed to his position by King David, but he lived long enough to serve in that position through the rule of David's son, King Solomon. So not only was Asaph a prominent 
Levite musician and a hand-picked member of David's court, but he got to see and listen to the wisest man that ever lived, King Solomon. And if that wasn't enough, the Bible says he was the ancestor of what it calls the sons of Asaph, uh, who became this great generational family guild of temple musicians and singers. Uh, that's where the Asaph of Psalm 73 and 83 we're reading about comes in today. He, he's one of the sons of Asaph, 14 generations after the first one. And so he knows, he, he really knows the history of his people uh, and of his family and of their legacy of service to God. And he knows it's had its good days and he knows it's had its bad days. So he can, he can kind of get some perspective and look back and, and say at first, man, I wish I lived back in those olden days. Anybody ever said that? Right? Back in that golden past. I wish I could have met my great, 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 you know, times 14 grandfather and lived back then. But he also would have had to remember that all those days back there weren't all sunshine and roses. Uh, I mean, yes, old Asaph worked for Israel's angelic psalmist, but he also had to watch him act like the devil. Like the time when David stole Uriah's wife and killed Uriah to boot. Or when David disobeyed God by counting up his armies to see how powerful he was that caused God to unleash a, a curse and a plague on the people. And don't forget... It was David's fault that the people mishandled the Ark of the Covenant, which led to poor old Uzzah being struck down by a bolt straight out of heaven. And then young Asaph might have thought, well, okay, scrap, scrap that, forget that time period. I wish I'd lived in a different time period. I wish I would have got to meet the mighty Solomon, the, the smartest man, the most powerful uh, monarch who ever walked the face of the earth. The, I wish I could have met the man who built the temple. And saw it filled with the glory of God himself. Saw God fill it so full of his presence that the priests and the Levites couldn't even do their sacred jobs. Uh, saw the man who then later saw the Queen of Sheba and scores of delegations uh, bring the wealth of the Orient to lay at Solomon's feet. But I'll wait, I'll wait a minute now. That, that time also saw Solomon, despite his intelligence, lose his common sense. And take not just riches from foreign lands, but take their women as his wives and allow them to cloud his judgment by introducing him to the worship of pagan gods until First Kings tells us, the Lord said to Solomon, since you have done this and did not keep my covenant and my statutes which I commanded you, I will tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. So much for the good old days, huh? I think that's why I... I agree with Benjamin Franklin when he said the golden age never was the present age. And I would add to that that neither was the past. And so what does young Asaph today make of all of this? But even better yet, what are we to make of all of this? Uh, and thankfully, for both of us, the Holy Spirit closes out Psalm 77 with a note of hope and says of God, your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters yet your footprints were unseen. So in other words, when the people of God experience the storms of life, we are never in it alone. We're never in it alone. Whether you're old Asaph at the, the kickoff of the kingdom, or you're young Asaph that saw it completely crumble, or you're you and me here today, whatever you are going through, be it uh, joy or, or pain or suffering or hardship or plenty or sickness, uh, or luxury or lack 
God's promise to you today is to walk right beside you. To walk right beside you, whether you realize it or not. Even when you can't see him. And you feel like you're about to go under for the third time. He is there in those invisible footsteps of whatever you're going through today. Because, brothers and sisters, for those of us who are in Christ, nothing, absolutely nothing, can come against you that has not been filtered through his permissive will for your good and for his ultimate glory. Uh, and the proof of that is in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God who loved us so much that he didn't just sit idly by and watch the world go to hell, but he did something about it, even though it cost him his life. And he stepped into this human world and into our human life with a human body like ours, and he lived and he died and he rose again so that we could have a God who would know our hearts and feel our, our pain, and so we could have an understanding ear in heaven, one where we could plead our case and, and present our problems uh, and say today with Asaph, I'll, I'll appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I'll remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I'll ponder all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds because you, with your arm, with your outstretched arms, you redeemed your people. You redeemed them in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Amen.